You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello, welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. I am Ken. I enjoy metal music, going to the cinema, uh, exercise, and my love language is whatever I can get. (laughs) <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. I have Jeff here with me. Jeff, what's your love language? Uh, food. Food. Neil? Coffee. Uh, Matt? Binary. I think nobody knows what the love languages are. Is that right? Well, for your, for your information, there are words of affirmation, the giving of gifts, bargaining, uh, admitting you have a problem, Capricorn, and getting tied up. Oh, I'm a Capricorn. Does Ooh. that mean I have to get tied up? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's your choice. Oh, oh I see. Okay. Well, I think a love language is also like putting the dishes away, apparently, or yeah, cleaning the house. I think so. Okay. Cooking. Bes- besides uh, Mambo number five, <laughs> Jeff, what's your love language? I feel like Jeff's life is, isn't complete uh, every day unless he has a fresh French baguette in his backpack when he comes home. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like something Jeff would do. No, my, uh, my love language is opening the mail every day and smelling the sweet, sweet cardboard. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one. Well, clearly we're excited today. I'm going to be hosting for the first time in quite a long time. Might be a tough game, but it should be pretty fun. And Well, you've been writing it for two years, so it's going to be I really, really good. I really have. Think. It took me forever to write this. And we have a special guest today joining us as a contestant, and that is Eric Walling. How are you doing today? Good, guys. Thank you guys for having me on again. Uh, I think we're almost exactly a year from when I recorded in my basement way too close to an air conditioning vent. That's okay. You know, we all make mistakes, but we're glad to have you back. You're a Dutch enthusiast on Patreon. We really, really appreciate that. And um, what are you doing out there in KC these days? Yeah, so I just moved. So right now my love language is unpacking boxes. Um, That was Friday, and this is Sunday. So two days we have unpacked what feels like a million boxes, and we have two million left. Uh, Recently um, been added to the roster as the uh 750th member of the benchwarmers trivia podcast so i will be bringing filling the gaps in all of their early 90s texas rangers uh sports trivia that they've been dying to uh get right um but yeah i'm excited to come back uh be on the other side i've hosted twice haven't uh actually played a game so i'm very excited to see if uh the scouting report that i have on ken is is 
it's, is right. And, and I get some questions good here today. All right. That sounds good. And uh, congratulations on that new venture. Good luck on that show. Um, Thank look you. forward to hearing you. Um, yeah. So without further ado, I guess we can toss it over to the rules guy and we'll get this thing going. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Cream will rise to the top. Oh yeah. How did we get Marv Albert to do that? I don't know. <laughs> it took it took a big check, I'll tell you that. It yeah, it did. I, I figured he'd be a lot more expensive, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people on Cameo that we don't know about. So now, now we have to cancel the in ground pool that Triviality was gonna build with the Patreon funds. That's right. But um, no, I thought I thought you guys were getting bigger K cups. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the jumbo size K cups. Actually, with the in ground pool though, if we don't have the pool, at least we can still pay a pool boy. So whoever wants to be our pool boy or pool girl can can come over and hang out. No, the in ground pool. Ken did it a la Bob's Burger style, and he bought like a big metal tin, and we just dug a hole in the backyard. I've been so. shoveling for weeks, guys. <laughs> All right, well let's get this thing started here. Um, Matt and uh, mm-hmm. Eric are going to be a team. Any idea what you guys want to be called? Maybe something um, sports related. Yeah, I got I got an idea. Um, you know, quarantine seems to be ending. People are getting back out in the world, and it's time to lose those uh, quarantine pounds, I think. So I'm on a diet. Uh, Eric's a big Chiefs fan, so I think we're going to be Kale to the Chiefs. Mm, kale to the Chiefs. Neil and Jeff? Well, I know, Jeff, you're pretty excited about getting back to the gym. Uh, so maybe we can do something gym related. Uh, I don't know if we want to be like the gym rats or... Uh, the gym neighbors. The gym, gym neighbors. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be the stairmaster to hell this week. So, oh, I like that stairmaster to hell. Oh, I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Just want to say again, you know, still be cautious out there, guys. It's it's winding down a little bit, but we still got to be careful. So, be careful out there if you're going out to eat or going to the gym. Don't um, don't lick those doorknobs. Don't lick the doorknobs. That that's a good. That's part. a good rule for life in general. <laughs> All right, so one last thing I want to say before we get started. Um, This is a secret theme game. It doesn't matter for you guys who are playing it, but to the listeners, if anybody can identify what the common thread through all these questions is, um, send us a private email, and we will raffle off a T-shirt to anybody who gets it after the first week. So just because you get it doesn't guarantee you a T-shirt. It's going to be one T-shirt that we'll raffle off. That's uh, TrivialityPodcast at gmail.com, right, Ken? Sounds good, if, if you say so, Jeff. <laughs> and without further ado, how about question one? Question one, Jeff, what's your favorite part of Mambo number five? Is it when he says trumpet? Trumpet. <laughs> I forgot that part was in the song. No. All right, question one. Like the pals who state all for one and one for all, there are actually three books that follow the adventures of the Musketeers and D'Artagnan. What is the name of the second installment, which takes place 20 years after the first, and also contains a number in its title? Jeff and I uh, locked in over here, if you guys want to take a stab over there. Um, yeah, <laughs> it would definitely be a stab. We have no idea, right? How, how right. familiar are we with Three Musketeers? Uh, I like the candy, and yeah. I've seen the movie. Right, so we're, we're really good here. So uh, we locked in with uh, Three Musketeers to Electric Boogaloo because it's a classic, and that's what we're doing. I like it. 
All right. Jeff and I uh, were trying to figure out a title, but we're just not too familiar with this property. We lathered ourselves in nougat, uh, but all we could come up with is the fourth musketeer. Well, during your guys' conversation, you said maybe it's a trick, and the title is All for One and One for All, and it was in the question. That is not correct, but the answer was in the question because the answer is 20 years after. Just 20 no. years after? 20 years after. Oh. Yep. Oh, so it's basically like the uh, all the movies they've been making, like uh, The Bucket List and... Uh, Las Vegas. Logan. Yeah, yeah, Logan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just about the Musketeers installing a sunset or retractable awning. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to question two. I think you guys might be able to get this one. David Yost, Austin St. John, and Walter Emanuel Jones may not be household names, but they all might have been on our TVs as cast members of a popular TV show. What show might that be? You might be giving some clues. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Oh, yes, that sounds right. Because Austin St. John, I thought, was a fictional character. So that's why I was having trouble with. So. Sounds like a fictional character, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Maybe it's a stage name. Oh, it, it Speaking does. of stage names, I recently found out how Whoopi Goldberg came by her stage name. And it turns out that the Whoopi is because she is a relentless farter, I guess. Oh, my God. So she just embraced it. Yeah, people were saying she sounded like a Whoopi cushion, so she's like, oh, fine. Like, and what, what's funny about that is Patrick Swayze in the movie Ghost was, wasn't actually playing a ghost. It was just her fart that was in the ether. <laughs> uh, do you want to go Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yeah, I, I think I think that's what he's playing at. Okay. All right, we'll lock in. Oh, okay. Um yeah, I'm very familiar with these names. Uh, David Yost, I believe, is the blue one. Austin's the red one, and Walter's the black one. I'm 100% sure these are Power Rangers. Yep, Matt didn't even need the uh, big hint there. It is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Good job, guys. Yeah, Austin St. John just sounded too fake to be a real person. <laughs> All right, number three, a music question. In the song High Lonesome, the band Gaslight Anthem makes a transparent reference to one of their influences, the boss, Bruce Springsteen. The lyrics go, and at night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet. It's a pretty good song, baby, you know the rest. Though the title of the Springsteen song, quoted here, contradicts the idea of being soaking wet, what song is this a reference to? So in essence, the part about the sheets being soaking wet is in a Bruce Springsteen song. What song is that? Well, I wrote a song about being soaking wet. It was when I tried to make a tie-dye t-shirt with the American flag. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'll go with your guy. I mean, you probably know more about Springsteen than I do. Uh, so I don't. You want to go Thunder Road or um, Glory Days? We can go Thunder Road. Thunder Road. All right, we'll lock in with Thunder Road over here. Okay, so how familiar are you with The Boss? Um, so the first song that popped into my head was, uh, everyone's favorite Courtney Cox vehicle, um, dancing in the dark. Right. And then let's see, we said glory days. Yeah. What else? There's streets of Philadelphia. One, mm -hmm. two, three, four. <laughs> Had to happen. He said, he said it'd be the opposite of, of soaking wet. So. Dancing in the dark, you'd perspire a little bit. So I think we that'd could be very that moist, out. very moist <laughs> undertaking. If you're if you're doing it right, I think um, I have no idea. Glory days is something, right? Yeah, 
Well, let's yep. let's hope for the best and that these are our glory days and we're going to lock in with them. All right. Uh, Jeff, uh, we had a little discussion. What are you thinking about going for? Yeah, well, um, we couldn't figure out what was dry, but we said when there's uh, rain, there's thunder. We said Thunder Road. Okay, no points on this one. I'm sorry. Um, it would be difficult to wake up with the sheets soaking wet if one was on fire. So the answer is I'm on fire. Oh. Oh. I'm on fire. All right, so let's move right along to number four before we dwell on that too much. <laughs> around month seven of the pandemic, I finally got around to watching what David Lynch film that marked his first collaboration with Jack Nance and a crying baby named Spencer. The baby is also referenced in the Dead Kennedys' most unromantic song. Uh, I can't remember which David Lynch film has the baby. And well, name, name some David Lynch films because I know... Uh, you know, songs by the Dead Kennedys. Uh, Blue Velvet. I was thinking that might be it. I don't know if it's a racer head. I don't think there's a baby in that. Oh yeah, no, it's a racer head. A racer head? Yeah, because um, yeah, That's lyrics from Two Drunk, which would be a very unromantic. Okay, Dead I had Kennedy's a, song. I, knew, I remember Ken saying he saw one of those recently, and I, I, it makes sense that it would be a racer head because that makes a lot of sense. See, because the thing was, I was thinking Ken was thinking about Two Drunk. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't have gotten that without you knowing that that was the film because those are lyrics in that song. Okay, and I, I'm waiting for his long, uh, uh, weighted uh, follow-up uh, number two pencil. <laughs> All right, we are locked in. Okay, so we um, kind of bounded back and forth a couple of things. One thing that popped into my head right away was Eraserhead. Uh, not uh, hugely familiar with it, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a weird dead baby in this weird movie, so we went with Eraserhead. The correct answer is Eraserhead. Jeff had it right right on. The Dead Kennedy song was uh, too drunk to do some stuff, and um, the baby was like this weird, like, alien-looking monster baby thing that just kept screaming. Yeah, what are the lyrics in the song? Something like a baby in Eraserhead? You ball like the baby in Eraserhead. There we go. So points all around. Number five is a simple common bond question. So I'm going to give you three words, and you tell me what word associates with all of them. And your words are electrical, worm, and sex. <laughs> sex, S-E-C-T-S, or S-E-X? Yeah, it's in. funny you asked that, because I <laughs> I was thinking about the word sex the other day, but the other one. S-E-C-T-S. Hmm. So uh, the... Yes, you do. The Kale... What was it? Kale to the Chiefs? Yeah, we're locked in. They're locked in. Oh, wow. So we just need to find out what the covalent bond of these three are? Um, uh, yeah, I guess. I is don't that, know. Is that accurate, Jeff? I guess. I don't know. I just know it's a physics term. I was just trying to sound smart. Uh, electrical worm and sex, Jeff. Safe sex? Safe electrical? <laughs> safe worm? <laughs> Um, grounded electrical, grounded sex. I should give them one minute timer on this one. Yeah. Uh, electric slide, worm slides. No. <laughs> worm slide. S- sex slide. Yeah. <laughs> the old sex slide. Where it's you, from Fear Factor. Yeah, you go into a bowling alley and they put extra lube on the track. <laughs> Speaking of slides, um, we're gonna have to cancel the slide that goes from our studio into the in-ground pool too. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, Jeff. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. We'll tap out, I guess. Yeah, tap out. 
Oh, Matt, well, care to I guess enlighten? I, yeah, I guess it's got to be something super simple. It's also the name of my sex tape. Uh, we're looking at tapes. Yep, that is all tape. <laughs> tape goes with all those. Electrical tape, tapeworm, and sex tape. Yeah, because if I didn't want the kale, I could always just get a tapeworm. So that also works. I'm very pleased that that question actually split the teams. <laughs> I was not. I was worried if it was too easy or too hard, and it was just right. It was in the Goldilocks zone. That's an intense <laughs> sex tape. The Goldilocks zone. <laughs> After five questions, it looks like Kale to the Chiefs are in the lead with 30 points, and Stairmaster to Hell right behind them with 20. All right, question six is another music question, but in a very different genre. Katy Perry included two bizarre song title misspellings on her 2008 album, One of the Boys. The first, the quite problematic You're So Gay. The second, a much more popular single, which followed I Kissed a Girl and hit number three on the Billboard Hot 100. What is this dichotomous song? And spelling doesn't count because if it's good enough for Katy Perry, it's good enough for me. This is California Girls, right? Because it's G-U-R-L-S? I thought so, but I don't think You're So Gay is on that album. I think that's on her album before. Uh, so that's why... I. He what what he said dichotomy, uh oh dichotomous dichotomous song. So what does that mean? So like two things that don't pair together, hot and cold, hot and you're cold. Yeah, because yeah. because that's right after that's on the album I kissed a girl because that's when she's uh in the wedding dress. Okay, okay, um, okay. So first I was thinking of California Girls. Uh, shout out to Lita George for As that one. one. Does. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but that's a later album. So Eric, what did you think it was? Yeah, I was. You said that there was a dichotomy in the title, and I thought, going very familiar with her back catalog, I went with "Hot and Cold." All right, both teams getting points. The answer is "Hot and Cold." <laughs> oh, so it is the N apostrophe thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or just or an, maybe just an N. Just an N. Yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't like spelling stuff correctly. <laughs> no, it, it it seems that to work out for her though. Yeah, she's doing all right. Yeah. And fireworks has a Z, I think. <laughs> Does it really? No. no. All right. No, no, no. <laughs> no it's the F-Y-R-E. I don't know why I wrote Not a Katy Perry fest. question. It's not like I listen to Katy Perry. All right. Number seven. This one's a bit of a number guess, so it's going to be a little tough. The golden poison dart frog is just so cute. I want to hold it and cuddle it and let it live inside my beard. This would be a bad idea, however, because it contains a deadly nerve toxin, which would kill me easily with toxin to spare. Containing one milligram of poison, how many humans could one frog dispatch? And so I have the answer given to me in a range of 10 human souls. So I want you to pick a number, and if it's inside that range, you get points. Jeff, do you like uh, 25, or do you want to go... Oh, I think this thing is deadly. I'm thinking like 150. Okay, I'll oh go with that. God. They're going 150. Do you think this one frog milligram. is strong? One milligram, 150. That's a very deadly frog. Um, it's a nerve toxin. I, so. uh, all right. Well, I think I think it's a little lower. Um, do you want to go with with the the old standby 42 is the answer to everything? Yeah, that's a it's yeah the life, the universe, and everything. 42 it's, seems seems. Like a sweet spot. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to lock him with 42. All right. Well, compared to your answers, uh, now the frog doesn't seem so deadly. <laughs> it is 10 to 20 humans mm. could be killed by one milligram of this poison. 
Uh, that is roughly 10,000 mice or two elephants. And if you thought about it in terms of grams, one gram could take out approximately 15,000 humans. Oh my God. 15,000? Yep. Wow. If you do the math. Oh, man. All right. If I see one of those guys. I'm running. It's <laughs> <laughs> good advice. Little bastards. All right. A uh, little bit of a lighter question. Number eight. Proof that we live in the darkest timeline has been abundant for the last few years. However, the hypothesis is made more clear by the fact that Robert Downey Jr., Eddie Murphy, and Rex Harrison have all played what title character? We can lock in. <laughs> oh, I know this one too. You got it? Is this uh, Sherlock Holmes? Uh, Am I wrong? No, Eddie, you said Robert Downey Jr., Eddie Murphy, and who else? Rex, Rex Harrison. Harrison. Uh, Dr. Doolittle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and yes. we, we locked in with uh, Dr. Doolittle. Yep, they all talk to animals in Dr. Doolittle. Did we need the Robert Downey Jr. Dr. Doolittle is the question. Mm, Probably no. not. I don't even think he wanted it, but I'm sure the money came through. He quit Iron Man, and the very next movie does his Dr. <laughs> Doolittle? Give what, me a break. What would have been better is if he... You know, stepped into the shoes of Rex Harrison from My Fair Lady, and instead of training uh, uh, Mary Golightly, or no, that's I'm sorry, that's Holly, Parks at uh, Tiffany's. Uh, anyway, instead of him training, um, uh, what's her name? Eliza Doolittle. There, thank there you. you go. Ah, Doolittle. Eliza yeah, Doolittle. Yeah. Uh, he could have been training a uh, appointed frog or whatever you said to be human. <laughs> to murder him. Yeah. To well, commit murder. Perfect crime. <laughs> I'd watch that movie, for sure. <laughs> All right, next question, number nine. With four to five million people worldwide and their largest populations in China, Vietnam, and Laos, what indigenous group received more widespread awareness in the United States after a St. Paul community was featured in the film Gran Torino? While some depictions of their culture in the film received some negative reaction, the film was praised by others, citing its authentic casting and deep characterizations. We'll lock in over here. Yep. And I'm about to get off Neil's lawn, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all I know about that movie is the lawn, so. Grand I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I can see a car rolling slow by Clint Eastwood's house and him no. smoldering on the porch. Yeah. Lawnmower man. Um, I don't even think in his 20s Clint Eastwood was smoldering, let's be honest. <laughs> um um do you you have no idea do you i got nothing yeah and in order to avoid being saying something insensitive we are not going to answer your question i figured, I figured that take might that. happen yeah i uh, remember this movie uh pretty well uh his neighbors uh, invited him over for uh for some cookouts and and he got to know the uh the young neighbor next door and i believe it is the hamung culture Yes, it is the Hmong culture, uh, sometimes spelled with an H, sometimes without, depending on the specific group of Hmong people. So good job. You guys get points. And number 10, this one might be a little bit for Matt in a way and a little bit for Jeff in a way. Oh. Let's finish out the round strong. <laughs> it's a sad sports question. Here you go. Here I am. If you want to identify if my biceps are harder than Jeff's pecs, you're going to want to use this scale. Thank you, ma'am. So, so you're looking for the the scale for bicep arms? No, just the scale for hardness. It's oh, well. Yeah, that's uh, Mo's lines from 
uncle family feedback, but I don't I don't is it the most scale? Um Am I thinking too hard? No, Probably. I'm trying to think of um no. I mean if that's what the clues point to, Rockwell is, is more of a And he metal said it was thing. for me, so that would be uh, a Simpsons related thing then. Sure. Let's go with let's say Mo. <laughs> oh, let's say Mo. What do you have, Jeff? Yeah, it's uh it is Mo's. Yeah, it's spelled M O H S, but it is the Moe's scale. It's not the family feedback scale. No. <laughs> like, please take the fries off my head. They're incredibly hot. After one round, uh, we have tied it up uh, over here, sixty to sixty. That is what I call perfection, right there in difficulty. Sixty to sixty. I appreciate myself. <laughs> Good job, Ken. Thank you. Let's go ahead and. Swing on in to the swing round. I'm passing around the fishbowl. Uh, put your keys in there, and we'll get started. Today, we are going to be working with alter egos. I'm going to give you the real name of a person. They're mostly fictional. And you're going to give me their famous alter ego. So for these, I'm going to also tell you um, what they're from, um, mostly well-known for, but it, there could be some crossover. So if I say TV, it could be comics and tv and film but right you know i'd be going on forever if if i said all of them but i tried to be as inclusive as i could so is eric tv uh, movies mobile phone games yeah exactly so you yeah, yeah. obscure 1968 album covers yeah i know eric uh has a side uh, hip-hop career uh, is his alter ego uh, bartholomew sheffield going to be included <laughs> guys no. you're supposed to tell people about that <laughs> All right, so if you guys are ready, I will give you the real names. The first one is Doreen Aline Green, and she is mostly known for comics. The second one is Miley Stewart, mostly known on TV. The next one is Dr. John Osterman from graphic novel and TV. Number four, Thomas A. Anderson from mostly film. Uh, number five, Ranger John Reed, uh, TV, film, comics, etc. The next one is a real person, uh, Mark Sinclair. And if you need help with this one, I recommend you consult with your family. The next one, Adrian Toomes from comics and film. Uh, number eight, Kara Zorel from Comics TV, etc. Number nine, James Gum from Literature Film. And number 10, Riri Williams from Comics. All right, we'll uh, take a look over here and let the other guys talk and uh, hopefully be back with some right answers. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or call the police. Or call the police, <laughs> I should have, exactly. 
quickly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and before we get to those answers, just want to remind you all that we have a Patreon. You know, that's the way that we keep our show going and running. We're really happy to have Eric with us. He is a Patreon supporter. You can join him at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast and get some perks for yourself, including some of our wonderful bonus episodes, uh, including the Crop Drop, which we introduced last year, one of my absolute favorites. And uh, just check mm -hmm. it out. And I was yeah, just, and uh, priority booking to be on the show, which is great. True. And I was just kidding about the pool, guys. We're not wasting your money like that, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's that time to pull the keys back out of the bowl and see who we got. Let's get the answers for the swing round. Number one, Doreen Aline Green from Comics. Yeah, we thought maybe... Uh... Rizzo from Greece had her own comic, so he said Rizzo. Uh, we thought she may have been one, one of the uh, myriad Green Lanterns. It's not a bad guess. Um, this was one of the harder ones. I uh, wanted to start you off with a challenge, and it is Squirrel Girl. Mm. Oh, no. The famous <laughs> Squirrel Girl. Uh, spoiler, one of our future answers will be wrong as well. <laughs> I remember when uh, some of our friends were into hero clicks forever, uh, people would hate when someone would pull out Squirrel Girl because she's so powerful. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, I know. You'd think you'd want to have Squirrel Girl on your team. All right, number two, Miley Stewart from TV. Pretty sure that this answer contains the best of both worlds, and we said Hannah Montana. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, also said Hannah Montana. That is correct. It is hannah montana nearly what alexis texas that but that correct. was a porn or something evidently it's a porn star yes but you guys both got five points evidently evidently <laughs> based on my research <laughs> it didn't take long to figure out that it is indeed a porn star quick google search all right uh number three dr john osterman from graphic novel and tv the only hint here was the the graphic novel to TV, and we, we couldn't really figure it out, but we, we thought maybe it's Dr. Manhattan because of uh, Watchmen's popularity the last year. Yep, we had a similar line of thinking. We also went with Dr. Manhattan. Yes, named for his affinity for simple cocktails, it is Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was stupid. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the listeners. All right. Dr. Negroni in some regions. Yes. Number four, Thomas A. Anderson, a.k.a. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Yep, we uh, we knew right away this was Neo. Um, we didn't know right away, but until uh, I think Eric said something like, who is this Mr. Anderson? And then it kind of clicked, so ah. we said Neo. Yes, of course, you guys are right. Uh, I have to throw the Matrix in there. It is Neo. Number five, uh, surprisingly challenging. I thought this was a gimme. But Ranger, John Reed from TV, uh, film, comics, etc. We had the longest conversation on this one, and it sounds very, very familiar, but we just could not pull it. We didn't know if it was a soldier or uh, maybe like a space ranger or something, but we just ended up going with Ranger Rick. Yeah, we thought this guy didn't have very many friends out on the frontier, uh, so we went with the Lone Ranger. It is the Lone Ranger. I thought wow. I thought giving you the ranger would uh, would seal the deal. <laughs> I didn't even think of Lone Ranger. I thought he'd have a cooler name, but I don't know. <laughs> nope. You know, he's from, he was That's from, why he changed like, to Lone Ranger. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's from like early American like you know comics and TV, so he's got a pretty pretty boring name, I guess. Mm-hmm. Number six, a real person named Mark Sinclair, and if you need help, consult with your family. Um. I'm going to take a guess on this one. I'm going to guess this is Mark Summers. <laughs> we we were thinking this guy also hosted Family Double there. <laughs> we said Mark Summers. Did you figure it out, Neil? I, I got if it. If you I, consult with your family, family's everything. Oh, oh, duh, oh, duh. it's Vince, or, uh, Vin Diesel. It is Vin Diesel. Surprisingly, not his real name. <laughs> I'm sorry, Quentin. <laughs> no, friend Street Shark aid. enthusiast. <laughs> it's not his real head either. He just wears a bald cap. Me too. Number <laughs> seven, Adrian Toomes, comics, film, etc. I didn't know this one at all. Uh, I have to give it up for Jeff if it is correct. Uh, we were thinking it was uh, in the MCU, and we locked in with Vulture. Yep, Matt pulled this one. This was uh, um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah, sorry. Michael <laughs> Keaton's character from the Spider-Man films, that's Vulture. Yes, I really enjoy when he turns around with the gun in the car. <laughs> so it's a brilliant scene. It is the vulture. It really is great. Having just rewatched that, good, 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 get nuts. <laughs> that is Batman. Um, not included in this uh, portion of the game. Number eight, Kara Zorel. Big hint on the name there. Comics TV. Yep, we know um, Kal El, um, which of course is famously the name of. Uh, Nicholas's Cage's kid. Uh, but we know this is Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, also said Supergirl. That is correct. Good job, guys. <laughs> uh, ten lumps of kryptonite per team. All right. Number nine, James Gum, literature and film. Uh, James Gum. Um, don't know. So we guessed uh, this was Sherlock Holmes. Gumshoe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this guy asked me to help him put a couch in the back of his truck or his van one time, and I <laughs> luckily dodged a bullet there. This is Buffalo Bill. It is Buffalo Bill. And oh. might I say, Neil, your skin is looking very smooth today. <laughs> would you, would you, <laughs> I'd, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
We can't use that. I'm gonna. Pu- do you got goodbye horses on that uh, soundboard this time, Neil? I should, but if if that song comes on, though, I immediately do get naked. So you don't want that. Happen. I know we've seen it. All right, last one, number ten, and uh, man, Neil was horribly mm. close to the correct answer on this one. Uh, Riri Williams, the other really challenging one, I thought. Yeah, we had a long conversation. This sounded so familiar to me. I know there's a character in the comics uh, who is a young girl who I think is like a scientist or really into um, physics and things like that, like Tony Stark. And I think she becomes Iron Man kind of. like. And uh, I didn't know what her name was. So we just kind of locked in with Iron Girl because it was in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the one that we thought might potentially have been Squirrel Girl, but we know that we're wrong. So there you go. Yeah, like I said, Neil, very close on this one. It's Iron Heart. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Might be seeing her in the MCU sometime soon. I figured, yeah. It, it was a cool character. After the swing round, it looks like Kale to the Chiefs has taken a slight lead with 95 points, but right on their tail, moving in forward motion, is Stairmaster to Hell with 85 points. It's the worst kind of hill to climb. It's tough. And uh, we're in for a tough second round. Question number one. What practice of martial arts is divided into different techniques called waza, such as nagewaza, katemewaza, and atemewaza? The last represents body striking techniques and is explicitly banned from standard competition. So we're thinking Japan. Yes. Those uh, sound Japanese, which immediately rules out things like taekwondo, because that's Korean. Yep. Uh, so I was thinking it's probably between... Karate uh, and Judo? Karate and Judo, yeah. Okay. Well, if body strikes are banned, I mean, Judo is all about the throwing and the, the submissions and stuff. So, I mean, maybe they don't want people punching each other in the competitions. It's more about, like, getting the submission and, and throwing them over your shoulder, that kind of thing. Okay. Do you want to go with that, I guess? Yeah, because I feel like karate would be a trap answer, so... Yeah, okay. We will lock in with Judo over here. Yeah, we were... We were thinking about um, martial arts types that don't have much striking in them. Uh, went through a couple of them and ended up landing on jujitsu. Okay. Uh, we have one jujitsu and one hey judo. And the correct answer is judo. Oh. All right. Nice uh, conversation. I'm glad we went that way. All right. Number two. A tisan is a drink that often goes by another more common name. However, this common name is specifically wrong because it contains an ingredient that a tisan must lack. What is this ingredient? Tisan is spelled T-I-S-A-N-E. Do you think that this is a Long Island iced tea? Yeah, it could be. That There's definitely not iced tea in a Long Island iced tea. Right. And I, I would imagine it originally had a name before it became called that. Right. I have no idea uh, on this. Uh, I can't really think of a good everyday beverage that uh, could be named something else. Yeah, my, my feeling is it's some kind of tea, but I don't. I can't get any more specific than that. Should we try tea? And if he asks to be more specific, we'll just pick something? Sure. That's what we'll do. Okay, gentlemen. Well, we went a little more specific with tea. We think that I don't remember them making sun tea behind the bar too often. I thought that this might be a Long Island iced tea, so we locked in with Long Island iced tea. All right, you guys are both in the right direction here. Um, I'm going to give points to the Stairmaster to Hell or whatever it was. Stairmaster to Heaven, what would you say? Stairmaster to Hell. 
Yeah, All Stairmaster right. Heaven's not allowed. <laughs> um, the correct answer is tea because a tisan is the other name for an herbal tea. So mm. herbal tea doesn't actually have the tea plant in it. I should have said I can be less specific if you need me to, and then we would have been fine. <laughs> well, Long Island iced tea doesn't have yeah, Long, Long Island. In it. In it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so points to Stairmaster. And number three, a little bit of geography. The Great Dividing Range is the fifth largest land-based mountain range on the planet and is located entirely on the eastern coast of what country? When scouting for Lord of the Rings locations, Peter Jackson may have passed on this country in favor of New Zealand due to a lack of ringwraith activity on Mount Feathertop, which is less of a clue and more of an excuse for me to say Mount Feathertop. Because it rhymes with weather top. So, Jeff, I will lean in uh, to you on this question because all I can think of is the United States for some reason, and I don't think it's that simple. Um, well, I, I don't think it's that simple either, but I couldn't think of a better answer, so we said the United States. Mm, we were we were slightly across the Atlantic. Uh, we ended up somewhere in, somewhere in Eurasia. What were we thinking, Eric? Yeah, we... Uh, we're throwing out some countries there and came across one that we thought it would sound cool if we got it right. So we went with Azerbaijan. Okay. Well, I thought with all your minds on Australian footy recently, you might come up with Australia. Also, the English name of Mount Feathertop might have tipped you off, but it is Australia. It's funny. It did not tip us off. <laughs> it, it, this isn't on the recording, but uh, Ken said, oh, I made a Lord of the Rings joke. Don't take it too seriously. But my guess would have been Australia to film in because it's right, you know. Yeah, right, Oceania. With the tax credit right. right by New Zealand. But yeah, that's okay. Ken oh. forts me again with his ring power. <laughs> Got to watch it. All right. Number four. The word jeans, as in mom jeans, not as in Ken, you're swimming in the shallow end of the gene pool is derived from the French pronunciation of what Italian city, which is believed to have been the origin of denim. Uh, so we're looking, so jeans is a French pronunciation of an Italian city, is what you're right. saying? Right. Okay. Genoa? Oh, yeah, that's that's where the salami comes from or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what's inside the jeans. Mmm. Mmm. 12-inch salami. Uh. <laughs> um. Yeah, John Holmes, when That's he used to Ken do... That's because Ken knows you can't sneak food across the border illegally. So right. he's hiding them salamis. The reason John Holmes was so popular along, uh, among adult film actresses <laughs> is because he actually just had a real 12-inch salami and they ate lunch. Um, uh, yeah, Genoa's fine. I mean... I, I've heard this story. I've, I've heard the origin of genes. It's got to be your gut then, because, I mean, you said it right away. It's got to be it. I, it's the only one I could think of. I mean, it's not like Venice or Florence or Rome or... Do you want to go with that? Yes, we will go with Genoa, or Gen, or, or however you pronounce it. Okay, you fellas are up. So we started naming every Italian city we know. And I you, the <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think it's like I don't think it's a, a Rome or Naples or Venice. How did I forget yeah. about Naples? Oh, I'll show you my Naples right now. Well, maybe with a Genoa. Ooh, yeah. Genoa is a city, and it could be... It sounds like... Pronounced. Well, yep. correctly pronounced in French. Well, incorrect. Yeah. We'll Frenchly pronounced. Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Frenchly pronounced. We'll say uh, Genoa. 
We too said Genoa or Genoa. You guys are both right. Good job. Ten points apiece. Genoa. Cool, Matt. That was a hard one, and, and uh, it seems like you guys were onto it right away. Props. Number five. I tried to read a sci-fi horror classic, but I ended up grabbing the wrong book, and instead I read the similarly titled novel by Ellison, which explored black nationalism, Marxism, and personal identity, presented with just a bit of existential absurdism. What did I just read? We can, we can lock, lock in. in. Wow. Oh, no. So, sci-fi horror, I always answer Dune, and it's always wrong. So, <laughs> so that's not so helpful. So, today's the day? Today, today is the day. I would, ex- I, I mean, Ken would write a Dune question, I think. Well, I don't think this is it, but... Um, so I'm thinking sci-fi horror. When he said classic, I was thinking of something more along the lines of your Frankenstein's and your Dracula's and your mm, Swamp Things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a book about creature from the creature from the Black Lagoon. Ain't nothing but a, a Swamp Thing. That's the best Louisiana Snoop Dogg. <laughs> uh, what a sci-fi horror classic. Uh, Red Planet. Oh, God. Are we getting farther away? <laughs> Much. <laughs> Blade Blade Runner? Or, I don't know. I don't know. You pick one. Do so you like Swamp Thing? Sure. Or Creature from the Black Lagoon. Let's sure. Cre- Creature like from the Black Lagoon. We don't know. Yeah. Um, if, if this is the Ellison book in question, I'm pretty sure I had read it. Um, and we went with The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, the sci-fi terror. horror classic is The Invisible Man, and the Ellison version is Invisible, Invisible Man. Man, so Man. we'll be getting points. And after five, the tables have turned, Mr. Bond. Uh, How like the turn tables. tables have turned. The staircase to hell has uh, increased the difficulty on the machine. We are at 125, and Kale to the Chiefs with 105. Moving on to number six. An auto-stereogram may not be initially recognizable to you, but if you look back to your childhood, I'm sure you're familiar with it under another name, taken from a book series that popularized them. What is an auto-stereogram? So I don't think it's the books that have the audio, the kids' books, where you press the the buttons. No, Um, this is not my speaking spell. Could it be uh, choose-your-own-adventure books? For some reason, what popped into mind for me, funny enough, was uh, pop-up books. But I'm fine with that. I mean, it, it you know it, it makes sense. It's it's an old type book that um, could have been named something different. It's definitely something I had a lot of in childhood. So okay, well let's lock in with pop-up books. Mm, I think that it's a kind of a pop-up book, but the pop-ups never popped up for me because I couldn't figure out how to use these. I think it's a magic eye. The correct answer is magic eye. That makes way more sense. Yeah, they might might not be initially recognizable to you, but if you look back to your childhood, mm. yep. What is a magic eye? I don't even know what that is. That is those uh, jumbly looking pictures you're supposed to stare at, and then something oh. emerges. But the the trick isn't that you cross your eyes, which a lot of people try. It's that you look beyond the picture. Mm. So you look at a f- you adjust your eyes so it would foc- your focal point would be further than the picture is. Okay, that's how you do it. It's good. It's good life advice, too. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll send you a magic eye, Neil. Oh, no, please. Keep your pants on. <laughs> Number seven. 
What do the following fictional characters have in common besides the fact that they're fictional? He-Man, Princess Leia, Scarlet Witch, and Hallie Parker, and Annie James. I'm going to give you guys a clue on this one. And the clue is Hallie Parker and Annie James. I do not expect you to recognize those names. It is simply to be funny and to close off all other possibilities of answers. So don't think too hard about those names. Well, He-Man, at least in the movie, I don't know if this is like this in the in the um, the lore or whatever, but He-Man gets um, displaced from his home planet. Does he have he, a twin? Um, hmm. Because Princess Leia has a twin, right, with Luke? Yeah, they're or twins. They're twins. Scarlet, Witch, Scarlet and, Witch and her brother, are they twins? Yeah, her and Pietro, yeah, they're, they're twins. They're twins, right? Yeah. Maybe He-Man does. Oh, maybe he has a twin sister, actually, from the movie. I'm trying to think. I think that might be right. It's either that or they're displaced from their home, and then they, they make their, their not their living, but they're on another planet because He-Man comes to Earth, Princess Leia comes to um, Tatooine or whatever, and then Scarlet Witch comes to Earth, but she's from Earth, so... I say she was always on Earth, I think. Yeah. Do you just want to say twins? That's good. I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, so this was a tough one. Um, then I start, we started thinking about what what do these people kind of are known for? And uh, having just seen all of WandaVision, very familiar with Scarlet's, uh, Charlie Witch's twin brother, Pietro, and then Princess Leia also potentially has one. Luke, they kiss. It's kind of weird in retrospect. Um, he... <laughs> He-Man and She-Ra not making out, but I think we're going to go with their, they have twins. Yeah, we uh, we had a parallel answer and said Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Twins? That's right. Yes, they are all twinsies. Uh, He-Man, uh, She-Ra, Princess Leia has Luke, Scarlet Witch has uh, Pietro, a.k.a. Quicksilver, and Haley Parker and Annie James are both Lindsay Lohan in Parent Trap. That makes sense. That's funny. All right, number eight. Usain Bolt was born to be fast since he has such a cool last name. He is the world record holder for the 100-meter sprint with a time of 9.58 seconds. What prolific sprinter holds the second place for the 100-meter with a pathetic time of 9.63 seconds, the current Olympic record? What do you think about This is your sports question? Come on. This is, this is one of three sports questions. You already had the judo question. <laughs> you son of a... uh, my only thought here on this question is uh, a runner who was popular when I was younger. He wore gold shoes, and that's I think it's Michael Johnson. But for me, it would just be Johnson. But you you said maybe it's a trick question. Yeah, I thought maybe it could be Usain Bolt. Also has the other record since the the other one was an Olympic record or so he has the world record and the Olympic record. Yeah, but which would just be slower. That that would be my guess, but I I'm comfortable to go with whatever you want. No, I, I like your idea that it's a trick because Kenneth would be calling uh his second uh feat also pathetic, even though it's the same guy. So yeah, let's go Usain Bolt. Mm. That makes us question some things. What did I, we talk about? <laughs> yeah, we just bypassed all those clues mm-hmm. and started thinking about other prolific sp- Sprinters in the time frame, I knew that you know Justin Gatlin had a pretty fast time in the in the 100, and I remember Michael Johnson being more of a 200 400 guy. So we went with the different American Justin Gatlin. And uh, holding the the world record, Usain Bolt holding the Olympic record with a time of 9.63 seconds, 
also Usain Bolt. Mm. So ah. good job picking up the the uh, trick there. For number nine, in December of 2012, Chinese scientists used the phase lag of the Earth's tides during full and new moons to calculate the speed of what? And I promise the answer to this question is not Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, I'm, I'm, I'm having uh, trouble with this one. I was thinking of a, an experiment that had to do with pipes and water measuring like the speed of atoms or something like that. And it's definitely not the right answer. So. No, there's definitely a gravitational experiment. I can't remember which one that you're thinking of was run that way, but um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Obviously, it was measured with tides based on a period with the moon. But I've got absolutely no idea um, what speed they would be measuring. So uh, we'll just take a really dumb guess and we'll say they were measuring the speed of the moon. <laughs> That's how fast it drives. Um, yeah, we thought, we're thinking, you know, 2012, it was too early to measure the taste of the Tide Pod. So we kind of were thinking of some other things. Uh, Eric, what did we end up with? Yeah, I was thinking of um, when you said the lag in the phases of the tide, I was thinking of maybe it's how long it takes to catch up to where the moon's position is. So we said um, the speed of the moon or the moon's rotation. All right. Um, you guys were kind of getting there a little bit, but the tides are caused by the moon's gravitational pull. And so they're measuring the speed of gravity. Oh, man. Which is... We said that. We, were, but then, we did. Which is the speed of light, by the way. And the last question, number 10. Hopefully you guys can get this one and close it out on a good note. Cocobolo is not a place you get there fast and take it slow. But Dave Coulier would tell you it is, in fact, a variety of what commodity? Um, um, Cocobolo. Cocobolo. Oh, didn't he wear like tie-dye shirts all the time on the show or Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian shirts? No. Bowling shirts? Could have worn Hawaiian shirts. I don't know. He had the he had the beaver or chipmunk. It was a woodchuck. Woodchuck. That's woodchuck erasure, you bastard. Uh chipmunk. Woodchuck. Woodchuck. What is a what does a woodchuck have a commodity um nothing, right? Word? That was terrible. Puppets? I have no idea. Oh, I mean wood is a commodity. Yeah. Do you want to say wood? <laughs> I have no a idea. A Coco Bolo tree? I mean, that could be a thing. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a legit. Tree. Yeah. It sounds legit. I mean, the woodchuck knew a lot about wood, so. All right. Well, well let's lock in we'll with wood. Lock the, in with wood. With wood. All right. So we, we were going through every Uncle Joey thing we know, and then you guys asked us to cut it out and answer already. And uh, so his last name was, yes, thank you, Jeff. He's he's motioning it out. Uh, last name was Gladstone, so we thought maybe it's some kind of stone or something like that but then ranger joe he had that stupid woodchuck who asked if anyone had any wood and i think it might be wood some kind of wood so we're we're locking in with some wood and we too said wood yes coco bolo is an exotic <laughs> type of wood <laughs> so good job guys it is wood I said, uh, so I'm like, Ken's very familiar with the show, so it might be a deeper cut than just his name or his catchphrase. 
After 10 questions, at the end of regulation, it looks like Team Kale to the Chiefs is going to have 135 points to use in the final round, and Team Stairmaster to Hell will have 155. Your final round categories today. Number one, you are what you eat. Number two, music for a pandemic. Number three, water under the bridge, a.k.a. I dare you to wager on a quantum physics question. Number four, not a question about hawks. And number five, one last chance to hoist yourself with your own petard. All the wagers are now locked in. Let's hear those questions, Ken. All right. Number one, you are what you eat. Assuming there's truth in the adage, you are what you eat, and Dr. Lecter made a midnight snack of your hallux, what would he expect to be transformed into by morning? Number two, music for a pandemic. Mom, can I please get the cure to the worldwide pandemic? She says, no, we have the cure at home. But the cure at home is this album, which features the singles Love Song, Lullaby, and Pictures of You. And, oddly enough, the album title also describes my mental state during said pandemic. Number three, Water Under the Bridge, a.k.a. I dare you to wager on a quantum physics question. What Israeli-American physicist with a knack for studying hydrogen is best known for being the R in the EPR paradox and playing second fiddle to Einstein in wormhole nomenclature? Should have wagered more. Number four. Not a question about hawks. Tony Hawk is a pretty good skater, but this is a question about somebody that is not Tony Hawk. What Brazilian-American skater of partially Swedish descent is known for being on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and pulling off tricks such as the Fakie 900, the one-footed Smith grind, and grinding his ass right into the Grand Canyon? And number five, one last chance to hoist yourself with your own petard. For tis the sport to have the engineer hoist with his own petard, says Hamlet in the play Hamlet. This common phrase essentially means to be thwarted by one's own plans or makings. But what is a petard? All right, we will go over these and be back with our answers. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia. 
every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. All the answers are now locked in. Let's see who will come out victorious. Question number one, you are what you eat. Assuming there's truth in the adage that you are what you eat and Dr. Lecter made a midnight snack of your hallux, what could he expect to transform into by morning? We wagered 15 on this one, and we know that uh, in Science of the Lambs, he mentions he'll eat someone's liver with a nice uh, Chianti and fava beans, but uh, we were looking at Hannibal, where he was eating Ray Liotta's brain, so we said brain. Mm. Uh, we wagered 30 on this one, and Eric, what did we come around with? Yeah, we kind of bounced a few different body parts off of each other in a in a oh. metaphorical way, Okay, and ended up with, uh, on ear or ear drum ear okay well hannibal lecter wakes up in the morning takes a good look in the mirror and he is a big toe (laughs) all right number two music for a pandemic basically what cure album has the singles love song lullaby and pictures of you and it describes my mental state oh mental state i thought you said stuff you were doing in the pandemic So we're not guessing pornography then. Um, God. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure um, for 10 points we wagered, Neil. That's right. Okay, so we wagered 10 points on this one, and we think the Cure album in question is Disintegration. We wagered 30, and we concur. Disintegration. That is right. It is the best Cure album, Disintegration, in my opinion. No angry emails, please, sad boys. Please, at Ken. Sad boys. All right, number three, Water Under the, under the Bridge, a.k.a. I dare you to wager on a quantum physics question. I tried to bait Jeff here, and I don't think he took it. Basically, what Israeli-American physicist who is known for studying hydrogen is best known for being the R in the EPR paradox and playing second fiddle to Einstein in wormhole nomenclature? Yeah, so we wagered 15 points on this one, and I am very sad I didn't take you up on it because... I'm pretty confident that this is Rosen. Mm. We wagered zero, and Eric, what do you know about nuclear fission or whatever this nuclear. is? Nuclear. I, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> uh, so we wagered a whopping zero, and since we couldn't think of an Israeli-American physicist that met this, I'm going to go with my favorite Rangers manager. That is, the R stood for Ron Washington. All right. Well, the physicist is Nathan Rosen. Uh, Wormholes are called Einstein-Rosen bridges. Number four, not a question about Hawks. You thought this was a hockey question. It is not. Tony Hawk is a pretty good skater, but this is a question about somebody that is not Tony Hawk. What Brazilian-American skater of partially Swedish descent is known for being in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? Pulling off tricks such as a fakey 900, the one-footed smith grind, and grinding his ass right into the Grand Canyon. All right, we wagered 10 points on this one, and uh, one of my other favorite choices, if I wasn't going with uh, Jeff Rowley, 
Um, it's Bobby B, Bob Burnquist, and Tony Hawk mm-hmm. Pro Skater. Uh, we wagered 30 on this one, and his name actually does kind of sound like a hockey name. Uh, so we, we also said Bob Burnquist. That is correct, Bob Burnquist. Number five, one last chance to hoist yourself with your own petard. For tis the sport to have the engineer hoist with his own petard, says Hamlet in the play Hamlet. This common phrase essentially means to be thwarted by one's own plans or makings. But what is a petard? We wagered 15 on this one. Uh, Love Hamlet. I know that uh, the engineer maybe plays a clue into it, but from what I've heard over the years, I believe it's like an explosive or a bomb or something like that. So we didn't know how specific to be. So we just said a bomb that blows up. Yeah, and Matt came across this one. He This reminded me of a question I'd heard before. So, Matt, what did you come up with? Well, we wagered 30 on this one, and uh, we just think it's some kind of bomb. And you guys are both right. It is a bomb. Well, that one didn't blow up in our face. So, yep. I think this game blew up in our face, though, because if my math is correct, which it often is not, I believe we ended up losing by five, Jeff, because the team Stairmaster to Hell ended with 190 and beating us by five points is today's cream of the crop, Kale to the Chiefs. I am the cream. (laughs) Fortune favors the bull today. Anything is possible. (laughs) How heartbreaking. I I had no idea. I I was doing the math in real time, and if my math is correct, it it shocked me. I believe it is, but I'll double check. All right, we're going to wait while Jeff checks, and uh, you might as well just give your victory speeches now, gentlemen, uh, because if it it isn't correct, you should just still take the win. Oh, yeah, because they're up 60. Mm -hmm. You guys both did great today, though, to be honest. Yeah, it was a great game. Great uh, questions. I think we had about a 60%... you know, approval rating, I, I suppose. Not approval rating, but 60% get rate. We've never had a 60% approval rating. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, much like much like my college years is right at about 60%. <laughs> C's and D's make degrees. D for done. All right, well, that'll do it for today. We want to thank again Eric Walling for joining us. Any last shout-outs today? Uh, no, thank you guys for having me on. Um, you know, I love being a part of the community. The, the crops always a blast. Uh, you know, I love coming on for a couple hours and spending time. It's fun being on this side. Um, I feel like I didn't make it too much of, wasn't too far behind on all the questions. So a great game, Ken. Uh, thank you. also shout out to the, um, the bench warmers trivia podcast. If you like sports trivia, please listen to us or, Myself and Matt in the very meta BTPOT, where we just talk about our trivia games. Awesome. And really make we make fun of each other for how we missed easy questions. So awesome. Thanks again, Eric. I think we're gonna change that from any last shout outs to it's your chance to bask us in compliments right now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, if you uh, want to shower us in compliments, please. If you want to hear me well, on, uh, on Benchwarmers, Matt <laughs> was on Benchwarmers, and I was just on at episode 80, uh, where it was a two-on-one sports movies uh, trivia game, so you can see how I fared. All right. Uh, be sure to check that out. And for Eric, Jeff, Neil, Matt, and myself, I'm Ken, and that was Triviality. My my grandfather was killed by a golden poison dart frog, and this question is in bad taste. My, my grandfather had a poison dart frog living in his beard. <laughs> he was fine, you wuss. Well, he actually can't shave it then because they're an endangered species. I think it's its habitat now. Um, 